Hallelujah. Um, can you say Jesus is Lord with me? Jesus is Lord. Amen. Uh, just be ready to put up Ephesians, the first chapter. Glory to God. How many of you recognize the prayer that I prayed over the children today? Jabez, that's right. Jabez, the prayer of Jabez or Jabez. Uh, it's, in, it's an interesting thing because uh, what you have in First Chronicles chapter 4 is the, uh, a lot of these beatitudes, you know, so-and-so, not beatitudes, but begats, uh, where he says, so-and-so begat, so-and-so, so-and-so begat, so-and-so, so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat. All these names that most of us, except for my daughter, can, can't pronounce. And uh, one time my daughter did something up here, Amy, and she went through a whole list of begats, and I was like... How does she say that so quickly? She says, well, I am a Spanish teacher, you know, and okay, that might work. Hallelujah. Begat, begat, begat. And then it just stops right there and says, and Jabez was more honorable than all his brethren. And then it says, and Jabez was born when he was born. His mother named him Jabez. Because she uh, bore him, she, she born him in pain. And so his name means pain, pain from birth or uh, trouble from birth. And it's interesting, it doesn't explain exactly what it does. It, mean, it could mean that it was a very, very, very hard birth. You know, it's like I remember hearing a comedian one time said she had a... a a friend that was in uh, labor for 17 straight hours. And she said, I I wouldn't even want to do something that feels good for that long. (laughs) And so, you know, women who've born children knows what it's like. It's a lot, it's very painful. And so it could have been that. Could have been that it was an untimely or an unwanted birth. Uh, it doesn't explain. But whatever it was, she kind of, you know, and again, it doesn't say this. Well, it does, but you don't have to surmise it. But I, I think most people believe the way that it's read is she kind of laid a curse on him, on her son, because of the trouble that she had in birth. Uh, it, it's very much like when Rachel gave birth to Benjamin and named him uh, Benoni. Benoni, which means son of my sorrow. And then she passes away. So this could have been a very similar thing where she almost lost her life. But she names her son Jabez, which is a very negative name. And so he turns around and then it says, and Jabez was more honorable all. And then he prays to God and he says, I pray that you would bless me. Now, what I, I dig from that or what I get from that is very simple, is that he, having been named uh, a name that is a very ne- negative name, he says, I've been, I, I want to turn that all around. I want to spin that around. And to me, it's a perfect example of the new birth. 
It's a perfect example of getting saved. Because he's saying, I don't want to be accursed. Or I don't want to be a a cursing uh, to others. I want to be blessed by you. Exceedingly, it says. And then he says, and I want to, you to uh, enlarge my borders, which is, a, you know, kind of King James way. He says, uh, broaden my or expand my sphere of influence. Because that was, uh, if your sphere of influence, and, and here again, the implication is not, to, not for me, but for you, Lord. I want to be a blessing instead of a cursing for, for others. And I want, I want you to expand my border so that it's not just a, within this small realm, but it goes out from there. And then he says, in your hand be upon me. Um, I, uh, the hand of God just really uh, just intrigues me and, and wants to just, I just want to learn all I can about the hand of God. And, you know, uh, one of the uh, Psalms that I've been making reference to is Psalm 8. And it says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. I set thy glory above the heavens. And he says, out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, thou hast ordained strength. Jesus says, perfected praise when he quotes it. Thou hast ordained strength because of thine enemy that thou mightest still the enemy and the avengers. That means shut the enemy's mouth. Uh, it's like Hannah when she prayed, you've enlarged my mouth over my enemies. You know, that what that means is my good, the good word of God in my mouth is larger than those that are speaking against me. You know, and, it, and so he says it's that in Psalm 8 too. And he says, when I consider the moon and the stars in this psalm. When I consider the moon and the stars, the work of thy fingers. You know, uh, there's a, in, in Isaiah, it talks about Isaiah 40, talks about how he measures the, uh, the length of the universe by the span of his hand. <laughs> of course, the moon and the stars, just little finger stuff, you know. Metaphorically, but it still gives you a picture of something amazing. But what does he say there? That you may enlarge, uh, uh, when I consider the moon and the stars, which thou hast done, the work of thy fingers. And then it says, what is man compared to that? What is man compared to that? It's like when uh, Pastor Rodney was saying about my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. You know, isn't that beautifully poetic and everything? Somebody just lavishes upon you the greatest insult that anyone could ever endure. <laughs> you know, and it's God. <laughs> and God says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. <laughs> You can't get a greater insult than that than saying the perfect of all, you know, Mr. Perfect says you and me ain't nothing alike. (laughs) And so if he left us there, that'd be pretty bad, wouldn't it? But it says 
Uh, it doesn't, it says that. He says, my ways are not your way. But as the rain comes down from heaven and returns not back to heaven, but it waters the earth and it makes it bring forth seed to bud and, and, uh, and bread for the eater, seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So shall my word say his word, his word which comes out of his mouth. It won't return to him void. But it shall accomplish what he pleases. What what is it that he pleases? What pleases the Lord? In context, it's our ways not being his ways, our thoughts not being his thoughts, and that changing. Do you understand what I'm saying? That changing. He sent his word To heal us. He sent his word. So that our ways. His ways can be our ways. His thoughts can be our thoughts. Through his word. And what was that word that he sent? Jesus. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. In the beginning was the word. And the word came. And it was from God. And it was Jesus. And so you have that psalm. So what it says. When I consider the moon and the stars, the work of thy fingers, which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man, that you visit him. He says, you have made him a little lower than Elohim. It says, a little lower than the angels in some translations. And that's not a bad translation, but Elohim is one of the names of God. He says, you made him a little lower than, and crowned him with glory, with glory and honor. And I, you know, that's, that's pretty amazing that he's crowned us with glory and honor. And, uh, but there's one thing I'm always reminded of. Is, it was a, uh, a Keith Green song. And he, in this particular verse, it always reminded me of something when you think about the crown that, that God has laid upon us. Okay. And it says, uh, in this verse of song, it goes, And when I'm doing well, help me never seek a crown. For my reward is giving glory to you. I'll say something. You know, you think about Jesus crowning us with many crowns, his the people, but there's no greater crown than giving glory to God. Amen? Yes. Amen. So, Jabez. Jabez says, I, I'm going to turn that all around. You know, it's, it, it, it also re, is remarkable to me because you, you read uh, Genesis 30, 32nd chapter. We're not going to go into it. Uh, so don't put it up there, please. Genesis 32. It's pretty amazing. Jacob's going back to Canaan to where uh, Esau is. And you know the story, how he, what he did with Esau. And Esau is not happy with him. So Jacob sends out people ahead of him to find out to, from Esau. You know. <laughs> so the people come back. The messengers came back and said, your, uh, the, what you send out ahead is your, your brother Jacob is coming back home. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
and says, your brother Jacob is coming back home. And so he says, uh, you, send message, you send a message to my brother Jacob. I got 400 men that I'm going to meet him with. And he goes back and he says to the messenger, come back to Jacob and says, uh, he's ready for you. <laughs> and he's got 400 guys to help him. And Jacob goes, and he was greatly afraid of his brother. Greatly afraid. So he starts sending out little groups to see if they last. Boy, how'd you like to be one of those groups that are sent out? But they're sent out with camels and with goats and with sheep and to, to, to appease his brother. Reminds me of a verse of scripture in Proverbs says, a gift will make its way before a king. You know, you know, you know what that means is when you go before a king, you bring a really great gift. I never were forgetting to see an old, old movie about Cleopatra. And uh, it, one of the gifts was, uh, maybe it was the one with Elizabeth Taylor in it, I don't know. But this great big slave guy uh, comes in with this beautiful rug on his shoulder to give to the Roman, you know, Caesar, you know, to, to Caesar. And he's carrying this huge, giant, beautiful tapestry rug. And, and so he takes this rug and he rolls it out. And Cleopatra's on the inside, <laughs> rolls out before. That's the gift. All right. They're pretty impressive, huh? Uh, we got a much more impressive gift than Cleopatra. We got Lord Jesus Christ is our gift. Amen. So Jabez says, I want to be a blessing. And, Israel, and Jacob says, finds one of the angels, messengers, and he starts fighting with him. And he's wrestling with him. And he won't let him go. Wrestle with him all night long. And the guy knows it's, this is a supernatural being because at one point, the angel gets a little upset and takes his finger and hits his thigh and like breaks his thigh leg, you know, or does something where he's really uh, seriously impaired. And so, but he still won't let him go. Still won't let him go. And it's getting daylight and he says, I got to go. It's daylight. You know, I can't wrestle anymore. And he says, well, I'm I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And so he says, okay, you want me to bless you? I'm going to bless you. Now, most of us would not consider this the best blessing you could imagine. Most of us would consider, all right, I'm bringing help. Hundreds, thousands of, you know, angels or thousands of whatever to come help you fight your brother or at least keep your brother from hurting you. And so he says, what's your name? Now this, now you understand this? This, I don't, if you understand it, tell me because I don't really understand it. This is, a, this is God that is wrestling with Jacob. He says, how do you know that? Well, well it says so. <laughs> it says later, it's God. All right. He says, this is God that's wrestling with Jacob. And, you know, Jacob won't let him go. Well, how is that possible? This is God. If he doesn't want Jacob to hold him, he's gone, right? But Jacob won't let him go. There's got to be something in there about God 
and his relationship with us that he's trying to reveal that he wants, sometimes he, want, he wants us to have the attitude that we, we get a hold of him and we won't let go. Hello? And so he says he won't let go. And so he says, all right, what's your name? Now that's an interesting name. It's God. He ought to know what his name is. But he knows what his name is. But he want, he's want him to say it. So my name is Jacob. I mean, one of the definitions of Jacob is deceitful coward. Because <laughs> of what he did with his brother. Deceitful coward. That's a pretty amazing. So he's deceitful coward. Jacob. He says, okay, here's your blessing. Your name's not going to be Jacob anymore. It's going to be Israel. All right, let me go. It's like, at that point, I'd be going, wait, wait, hold on just a minute here, there. Uh, That's not quite what I was talking about when I said a blessing. And yet Jacob doesn't do that because he sees something in that. Because Jacob's name went from deceitful coward to prince of God. There's other names uh, of, of the name Israel, but it literally means prince of God. The last part, L, is a name for God, and then the other, prince of God. And it says, and then he says, and then Jacob says, what's your name? And, and, the, and the angel says, or God says, seriously? Oh, this is interesting because before he said, what's your name? He says, you have wrestled with God and man. That's what, that's what uh, God says. What if that's an, a reference about somebody that was God and man? Or he was saying, you've, re- you've fought men and you, now you can say you fought God. And so he says, your name is going to be Israel. It means Prince of God. It, a big change. And so he says, uh, the, God says, he says, what's your name? And he's like, are you kidding me? After what I just told you, you want to know what my name is? It doesn't tell him. He, he already said it. You've wrestled with men and with God. He just told him what his name was. All right. And he said, basically he says, I've already told you what your name is. What? And so Jacob, who is now Israel, says, I'm going to name this place Penuel, Penuel, which means he that has met God face to face and lived to talk about it. And that's the only blessing he has to go face Esau. Wow. Only blessing? Hallelujah. How many of you know God has changed your name? I've shared this before, but some of you have never heard it. As a matter of fact, I only shared it one other time. And I find it, names intrigue me anyway. And God seems to put an emphasis on names and changing names. I mean, he just said, to wrestle with a guy all night long. The only blessing he's going to get is a name change. You know, Billy, Billy, Bo, Billy, you know. Anyway, that's, that's a name game, I know. <laughs> I date everybody. I don't mean I go out with everybody. I'm just uh, anyway. So you know, God changed your name. I, I, I have an interesting name that I've been given from birth, and my parents didn't know what they meant back in those days. Nobody, hardly anybody, knew what names meant. And uh, my name is Don or Donald. You can call me the Donald if you want. 
No, I don't want to go into that. Let's close that door right now as far as getting into that discussion. So anyway, Donald, and a middle name that I've always struggled with, it's Earl. Earl. I mean, yeah, even the song, do, 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 cover, even that didn't help, you know. Of course, Donald didn't help either because everybody called me Donald Duck. So that's why I started going by Donnie or Don, because I didn't like to be called Donald Duck. Donald, Earl, and my last name, Yarbrough, Y-A-R-B-O-R-O-U-G-H. All of them have interesting meanings. Donald means mighty, mighty, mighty man. Earl means great leader. Mighty man, great, mighty, or you put the two together, mighty leader. That sounds pretty cool, doesn't it? I liked it. Yeah, last name. Yarbrough. Last name. You can find my name in the dictionary, Yarbrough. It means... A totally, utterly worthless hand in bridge. Means absolutely worthless. So here I am, a mighty leader that is absolutely worthless. (laughs) I'm like, God, you know, I know you have a sense of humor. Now, why is that so? Well, there there was an Earl of Yarborough in Great Britain that loved to play what a game was called whisk, which was at that time the beginnings of bridge. And there's a hand that you can get with, you get 13 cards dealt out to you, and there's not a card in your hand that's above a nine. The nine is the highest card you can have. And the distribution of the hand is four of one suit, three, three, and three. In other words, it is absolutely, totally worthless. All right. Now here's the hand. And what I see, and this is what I believe, you believe how you want to believe for what you what yours is. If you have a negative name, how many, do we have any Marys in here? Usually you have a few Marys. Middle name, Mary. Mary, it means bitter. Yeah. Who wants to be named bitter? But it's not a bad bitter. It's not like being bitter because of things happen to you. It's like Naomi was named, renamed Naomi, which means pleasant in the Bible, Ruth and Naomi, uh, means pleasant, but she changed her name to Mara or Mary, which means bitter because she, her husband had died, her sons had died, and she had to go back to Israel because she couldn't make it on her own. And she said life had been bitter to her. It's been a rough time. It was a foreknowledge of something else, of another Mary, which would stand and see her son hanging on a cross and her feeling bitter. Not bitter in attitude, but bitter in having been treated bitterly. And so you can see, even with negative names, you can see them. What I see, my Yarbrough name. As a matter of fact, I used to make fun of this because I am possibly the best card player in New York. And I'm trying to be humble. I would have said further out. I would have enlarged my borders east of the Mississippi. Yeah. I am a incredible card player. I really am. 
And uh, maybe it's because I just said, I'm going to rise above this negative hand business. You know. But I started playing poker when I was like seven years old. And I used to take, him, take those older guys to the cleaners. Man, I mean it. I was a good card. I've always been a good uh, I play bridge. And I play bridge with a person just, just because they asked me to come and play bridge. I play bridge with a person. I don't know if I should say this. I played bridge with a person that's been playing many, many, many years. And all I could think of is the, the very first time I picked up a hand in bridge and played a hand in bridge, I played better than this person plays. <laughs> Just being truthful, you know. What a, what a wonderful legacy to live. Best card player, you know. <laughs> but you see, that was my legacy before Christ. But after Christ, my legacy is God wants me to be a mighty leader and to take the other name and no, no, not, you know, dis- disown it or anything, but to say, I am not going to be a worthless hand. I am going to be the hand of God. Amen. Now, I'm not God. I'm not that. But his, you give your hands to him. And then your hands are his. And when you touch people, things he wants to do happens. Hello? Amen. All right. Let's look at Ephesians, the first chapter. I want to show you something brand new on this. This is one of the most amazing uh, chapters. The whole chapter is just in chapter two as well. And and three is really good, too. Four is pretty good. Five is incredible. But Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Say, are you faithful in Christ Jesus? Amen. You're a faithful. Grace, that means God's unmerited favoritism. Grace be to you. And peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now this, leave this verse up a little while. No, not that one. The next one. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who has, say has. Or hath. If you rather, hath. Sound like Sylvester. Not Stallone. I'm talking about the pussycat, you know. Suffering succotash. Who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Now, I've made issue, beautiful issue, if that's the right word, emphasis on where it says we're blessed, half blessed, with all, say all, all. spiritual. That's important. Blessings. In heavenly places in Christ. Now that word blessings is, you know, a while ago I slipped and said, instead of saying begat, I said beatitude. The word beatitude comes from the Latin beatitude, which comes from a Greek word called makarios, which is the word which says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. 
that a, that's a beatitude day. That's, that blessed is Macarius. This blessing is a different word. Spiritual blessings. A while ago we had a word from the Lord. It was Ephesians, the fifth, uh, not Ephesians, Isaiah the 55th chapter. And it was, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. And then it goes on and says, but as the rain cometh down and the word from heaven, so shall my word be. Uh, and the snow from heaven, so shall my word be, which comes out of my mouth. This word blessings is a, a Greek word, which we have an English word for. And I imagine you can figure it out. It's the Greek word eulogio. What do, word do we, English word do we get from eulogio? Eulogy. Eulogy is what you read when you read the, the papers, uh, in the papers where people have passed away. Okay. A eulogy is what you hear when you go to a funeral. At least that's what everybody thinks of when they hear the word eulogy. It actually means good word. You know, a well word, if you want to be, I guess, more grammatically expressed. Because eulogy, E-U, means well, good. And logi, logio, is comes from the word logos, which means word. In the beginning was the logos, right? So it means good word. I don't know when this started, but it started before I was uh, 10 years old. But it used to be, what's the good word? How many of you ever heard that? What's the good word? The good word is when somebody, in that particular case, shares something that's good or a blessing. And so this is a good word. Where does it come from? It means God has spoken good words, blessings, Spiritual blessings over you when you uh, accepted Christ as your Lord and your Savior. You have been blessed with beautiful blessings that came from God. Eulogio. You don't have, the only death that you've had is in Christ. You were crucified with him, but you also raised together with him and seated with him in heavenly places. And God has spoken Good words, blessings over you. He's spoken blessings over you. Good word. You know, I said when I was 10, because I remember there was a commercial on television when I lived in Abilene, Texas. I was 10 years old in 1957. And we used to uh, have this bread company called Cookbook Bread. All right. And the commercial was, uh, they would say, what's the good word? And you know what the good word was? Cookbook bread is baked while you sleep. <laughs> Which means it's fresh when you go shopping in the morning. You know, that's the good word. And it came from that saying, what is the good word? Well, I'll tell you what, these good words are a whole lot better than cookbook bread is baked while you sleep. This is like the living bread is alive and well. <laughs> so anyway. What, what, what's new on this, okay? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed. Now, is this the same word? And if it's the same word, a well word spoken, a well word spoken over them. If that's the same word, who's speaking the well word, good word over the Father, over, you know, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ? 
Blessed be. You know, when I first, when I first uh, came into the fullness of the Lord in 1971, and uh, in 1972, I was learning so much. And I started reading things that I never knew before. And maybe you had the same experience. And we would sing songs from the Psalms. And I would read in the Psalms. And we would sing songs. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me. Bless his holy name. And I would listen to that song and I was like, when you bless somebody... That means you do something nice for them. You give something to them. Really? You know what I mean? When you bless somebody or you even, even it could be just words. You say something nice to them. You bless them. And I'm thinking, what can I, what shall I give unto the Lord for all he's done for me? How can I bless the Lord? This word in in, in, uh, New Testament Greek, this is a different word. Not a great deal of difference, but just enough difference to give you a a meaning that is so incredible. This word, which is blessed, can also is a word of praise, praise the Lord. And in the Psalms, basically that's what they're saying. Bless the Lord on my soul. Praise the Lord. And it says this. This word, the, the word where it says we're blessed with all spiritual blessings is eulogio. This word is eulogitos. What's the difference? Just a slight difference. When we say, we're bl- when he says we're blessed, that means the God of the universe has spoken words of blessing over us, like Jabeth. Bless me, O Lord. But when it says, blessed be God, it's saying, I recognize that the words of blessing comes from him. In other words, this word blessed means it's the source, not what you're doing. You understand? When you said blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, you're saying you are the source of good word. You are the good word. See, when he's blessed us, he's spoken the good word over us. But when we bless him, we're saying you're it. You are the good word. Hello? Is that pretty cool? Yes. All right. Now, go to Hosea chapter 14. Hosea chapter 14. I've been talking about presenting your bodies a living sacrifice. And let me just quickly go through this. When we're getting ready to put up Hosea. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. And it says, according. According to what? According as he hath chosen us. Say, I'm chosen. You know what it means? What if I was to tell you that like Noah was chosen to build an ark, like Abraham was chosen to go into another land, like David was chosen to fight Goliath and be king, God spoke to me and told me that I have I've been chose, chosen to do something really amazing for him. What would you think if I don't you think? Hmm, who do you think you are? Well, that's exactly what this means. I've been chosen of him. And so have you. No difference. We've both been chosen. Chosen to be 
the power of God in this earth for him. Hello. Okay. According as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame. God has a purpose in his life. He wants us to be holy. That means set apart for him. Set apart for holy and without blame. That means free of sin. How are we? Can, how can we be free of sin? Well, he was made sin who knew no sin, that I might be made the righteousness of God in him. So, by the blood of Jesus Christ, I am without blame. There's no one to blame you. Who? Who? Where are your critics, O woman? It doesn't seem they've left. Now go and sin no more. I do not condemn you either. There is no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Okay, so he says, chosen in him before the. The foundation of the world. We and look at that before the foundation of the world. This is really big stuff. According if he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to be adopted children in him to the praise of the glory of his grace. And then one of my favorite of all, wherein he God has made us acceptable in the beloved. You know who the beloved is? Jesus. We have been made acceptable in the beloved. And that's one of my absolute favorite words in all the Bible. Everybody loves grace. Say grace. That's a good word, isn't it? God has spoken grace over you. All right. The great word grace is the Greek word kairos, which means undeserved favoritism. Hallelujah. Grace is when God gives you something that you don't deserve. And mercy is, am I getting this backwards? And mercy is when God doesn't give you something that you do deserve. Grace and mercy. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Well, this word where it says we're accepted in the beloved is the Greek word, kara too. And it means highly favored. This is like, Someone told me, grace on steroids. Hey, hey, is that beautiful or what? Okay, now Hosea 14. It's about Israel. But how many of you know that I I was talking to somebody day before yesterday or yesterday. Pastor Norm Moran. And we we were talking about a slew of things. And one of the things we were talking about is some people believe that the church is Israel. And some people believe that Israel is Israel and the church is something else. Which is true. Yes, they're both, both true. Okay. And when it says something about Israel, there is a connotation or there is something to be said for us. <laughs> All you have to do is read Isaiah 53 and know that that's not about just Israel. That's about us, Isaiah 53. Okay, so it says, Israel return unto the Lord thy God. And, and there's an, uh, well, let's just go on. For thou hast fallen by your iniquity. Now, this is, this is to us as well. It says, take with you, excuse me, take with you words. Turn to the Lord. Do you know what it means to return or turn to the Lord? What's another word for that? Repent. The word repent Actually, you know, it, it's a military term. And it has to do, if you weren't in the military, if you've ever been in the military, you do things like marching. And, or you do 
when you're at standing, there's two terms that, that, that have to do with this military term. One is if you're standing and they say about face, that means you turn around face the other direction. And the other one is when you're marching, you're right. And they'll say to the rear march and you turn around and you march the other way and everybody does it together, hopefully, all right? And that's what this means, to the rear march. Turn around and go the other direction. And what God is saying here, turn around. Take with you words. Turn to the Lord. Take with you words. Say unto him, take away all iniquity. What, hap- what is God taking away all iniquity? First of all, this is prophetically about Jesus. He took away all iniquity. But what happens if God takes away your iniquity? What's that called? We just said it a while ago. Starts with an M. Mercy. Mercy. It's mercy when God takes away our iniquity. All right? He says, take away. We're saying, we turn to the Lord, and our words is, forgive us, Lord. Hello? Take away all iniquity. And receive us graciously. Well, there you have grace. Grace is undeserved. Receive us highly favored. All right. So will we render the calves, that's like a little cow, calf, calves, calves, of our lips. One trans, some translation says the bullocks. Right? Well, some of us have calves and some of us will a bull. I didn't, sorry, I apologize for that Take away iniquity, Lord. Take away iniquity. <laughs> Take away, receive us graciously. So will we render. Now, what does that mean? Calves of our lips. The sacrifice of our lips. The offering of our lips. We have nothing to give God for all that he's done for us. Harry loves this verse. I do too. What shall I give? Psalm 116. What shall I give unto the Lord For all he's done for me. I got nothing. Except words. Words saying thank you. That's what he says. What shall I give? We even sing the song. What shall I give unto the Lord. For all. For all. For all he's done for me. And he goes on to say. We, uh, we take the cup of salvation, taste the cup of salvation of wine. We're going to look at wine in a minute here. And it says, we taste the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. In other words, we just thank you, Jesus. Thank you. I got nothing, but thank you, Lord. So you go to the Lord. This is how we go into the presence of the Lord. I come by the blood of Jesus. I come by your word. I come by your name. I come by, you know, I got nothing to give to you except thank you, Jesus. And I'm clothed with robes of righteousness. So he says, take away all iniquity. Receive us graciously. So will we render the sacrifice of our lips. Next verse. Asher shall not save you. Oh, some translations say Syria. Why would it say Syria shall not save you? He's talking to Israel. And so it's like, your enemies are not going to save you. And that's, that's weird, saying your enemies are not going to save you. Except that 
They've already conquered you. It's like they're going to bring a new and living way for you. No, it's not going to happen. Nothing outside you. You know, we look to something, you know, it's like we, I'm going to be really meddlesome here. The government isn't going to save us. Nothing of this world is going to save us. We talked about, this is a very uh, descriptive way of where Paul says in Romans 12, 1, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, which is your holy, reasonable service unto him. All right. And this is the same thing. Only he, what, what he's saying, the next verse says, be not conformed to this world. Don't look to the world to save you. Amen. Hello? You know, was it last Thursday night or last, I mean, Sunday night? where uh, Ryan was teaching and he was on Sunday night at Anchor and he was saying, uh, we have a multi-billion dollar, trillion dollar uh, industry that is doing everything it can to tell you you need to get something you don't want or don't need. That's, That's, we wouldn't have any television if it wasn't for that. Because every commercial, I remember, how many of you know, that go back really far, but back into around 1900, that nobody had ever heard of eating bacon or ham or sausage with eggs. So, well, that's a revelation. <laughs> that'll, set, that's, that'll set me free. Do you know, well, why did I bring that up? Do you know how we end up? When I was brought up, we always had bacon or ham or sausage with eggs. And I remember the first time I went over to my, my wife's family's house and they had eggs without ham, bacon, or sausage. And I was like, this, this is sacrilegious. This is blasphemy. You can't eat eggs without bacon. You can't eat eggs without him. So well, what, what is he's really going off? Let me tell you what, why that's important, okay? It's because someone brought in, uh, in the pork industry, someone brought somebody in and says, we got to do, we got to come up with a campaign that'll change all this around. And, he, and he, he thought, and he thought, he thought, I got it. We need to tell people they need to eat bacon or ham or sausage with their eggs in the morning. So they came up with this great campaign about bacon, ha- egg, bacon and eggs, ham and eggs, you know. And the next thing you know, the entire United States of America fell for the line. Or at least I did. <laughs> you got to have bacon, ham, or sausage with your eggs, and it become a a thing that if you didn't have it, man, there's something wrong with you. Which was my wife's parents. Eggs without bacon. That's just unheard of. The world is a trillion dollar industry to convince you you need bacon with your eggs. Hello? Yes. That's right. And that's when it says be not conformed to this world. Don't let the world mold you. Hello? Asher shall not save you. We shall not ride upon horses. We know the psalm which, which uh, David says... 
I will not trust in my horses or my bow. I will not trust in my bow or my sword or my arrows. Neither will shall my arrows save me. You know, some trust in chariots, some in horses, but not us. We will remember the name of the Lord our God. That doesn't mean you don't use chariots and horses. It just means you don't trust in them. Did you know that that word where it says, whosoever, uh, God, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him. You know that word believes is not the word for faith. It, 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 it involves faith. It's trust. Trust in him. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Proverbs 3, 5. So Zasha won't save us. We're not, horses aren't going to save us. Neither will we say the work of our hands. It isn't the work of hands that's going to save you. It's the work of his hands. Hello? It's not the work of your hands. You know, that has a double meaning there. It has meaning that, oh, well, I, you know, I'm, I'll, I'll work in, with my hands and I'll provide a good living for me, myself and my family. And it'll say, it'll save my family. But it's also talking about the work of your hands. You know, <laughs> you know, uh, Aaron had a work of his hands one time. Moses is up in the mountain. He comes down out of the mountain with the Ten Commandments. And looky there, this golden calf that they are worshiping. And Moses says, what have you done? And Aaron says, I cannot tell a lie. We threw all that gold into the fire and that calf came out. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Then he pulls a flip Wilson. The devil made me do it, you know. I threw it into the fire calf came out that's what just, that's the work of his hand. He, he didn't want to admit I made that with my hands you can make things with your hands it's not going to save you the work of your hands won't save you you he says the work of our hands you are our gods for in you the fatherless find mercy now it says in God the fatherless will find mercy but if you say to the work of your hands in you, your fathers will find mercy. That ain't going to happen. Let's go to the next verse. Okay, here we go. I will heal their backslidings. Hey man, let's, let's say, somebody say, glory. I will love them freely. For mine anger is turned away from them. How many of you know that God's anger has been turned away from you? You know Why? Because his anger was put on somebody else. Yes. He says, I'm not going to get you know, get mad at you. I got somebody else that I, I, I laid my anger on. And it was his son, Jesus. Next verse. I will be as the dew unto Israel. Hallelujah. He's going to be the dew. He shall, you know, you know, by the way, I don't know if you ever read a shepherd looks at Psalm 23. But they believe a true shepherd leads the sheep out early in the morning when the dew is on the grass. And so when they eat the grass, they get enough, uh, you know, moisture, enough uh, uh, water. <laughs> Thank you. 
You know, now I know why you're a professor up at Suco. <laughs> of math. Of math. <laughs> you still knew the English word. Good. <laughs> I will be as the dew of Israel. He shall grow as the lily and cast forth his roots as Lebanon. What, he's talking about us. Hello? His branches shall spread. He will be, enlarge my tent, enlarge my borders. And his beauty shall be as the olive tree. He gave us beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and his smell as Lebanon. Next verse. They that dwell under his shadow shall return. In other words, people will begin to be under your shadow. That's what we prayed for a while ago. Enlarge our borders. That means that others will be able to come under our protection because of our faith. Because of, they will find Jesus th- through our glorifying his name. Hello? They shall dwell under the shadow and shall return. They shall receive, be received as a corn or revive as a corn. They grow as the vine. The scent thereof shall be as the wine of Lebanon. Uh, I was going to say something about that, but it's a beautiful scent. Okay, next verse. I think that's about it, isn't it? Ephraim shall say, what have I to do with any more idols? In other words, Ephraim shall say, I won't have anything to do with any more idols. I have heard him. You know, how many of us have idols like gold things that are on the, on the table? Any of us have idols? Well, if, if I hadn't have said like gold things on the table, would you have said yes? Are you worshiping something in your life greater than God? Or is God your maker? Hallelujah. Ephraim shall say, I have to, what I have nothing to do with idols. I have heard him and observed him. I am like a green fir tree. From, from me is the fruit found. Hallelujah. Who is wise? He shall understand these things. Prudent. He shall know them. For the ways of the Lord are right. The just shall walk in them. But the transgressions, transgressors shall fall therein. Let's, we're going to shut, shut that off for now, or for good. I'm going to close there. I was going to share one more thing, but this is a good time to close. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to, to uh, not only do we not have to, but we should not trust in the work of our own hands, <laughs> whether it's to make idols or whether it's to provide with our own hands. We look to you. We trust in you with all our hearts. We lean not unto our own understanding. We want to acknowledge you in all of our ways. And you will direct our path. And so we thank you for that, Lord. And we praise you for it. And I just, uh, as we today uh, break bread, may we be mindful that you're the bread that you're the life and that you're the wine that smells like the wine of Lebanon. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for that. In Jesus' name, amen.